0: It's episode 15 of the Coach Mack podcast. Fall camp is just about to get underway in Mount Pleasant. We talk with Coach about getting ready to go, having the team back on campus, and what him and the coaching staff have been up to as they get ready for those first practices of the fall. Our guest on episode 15 is a familiar name. It's Detroit Tigers TV play-by-play broadcaster and CMU alum Matt Shepard. Coach Mack gets into the unusual baseball season they're going through talks about Matt's time spent at CMU covering the Mid-American Conference for so many years and a ton more. Thanks for all your continued support of this podcast. Reminder if you enjoyed, please go rate and review it on the Apple Podcast app. We would certainly appreciate it. Hope you enjoy this week's episode. Coach Mac, how you doing this week? Doing great. And I got I've got to
1: hit you with this one. So, you know how we talk about those 12 to 17 listeners every week? Yeah. Um, I actually, um, because we're kind of shorthanded here and we really don't have anybody at the front desk. So when the phone rings, I run out of my office and go answer it. Uh Well, lo and behold, I spoke to a guy that actually is really doing a great job for us, has really donated to our uh, nutrition fund and the new facility. But I just happened to answer it and... He actually is one of our 12 listeners. Is he? So, <laughs> how about that? I, I thought it was fantastic because now I know at least we have one, right? So does
0: that mean you're going to be extra cautious this week about what you say now that you know there are people actually <laughs> listening?
1: I guess I've got to be guarded. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, it, it's amazing, uh, you know, when you, when you run up and answer the phone and it's been a while since I've had to do that, but uh, it's been kind of fun because you actually get to talk to people on the phone and and a lot of them are just really good chips, man. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, you've, you've been accustomed to answering your Zoom calls throughout uh, quarantine in this pandemic, yeah. but using an actual <laughs> phone, that's got to be taking it back what you're accustomed <laughs> to.
1: <laughs> that's exactly right. So, uh, but no, I, I thought you'd be interested in knowing that I actually did talk to somebody that actually listens. How about yes, that?
0: that's awesome. It's good to know. Yeah. We do have some of those, those 12 to 17 listeners out there, coach. I know a lot of people probably are going to start to listen if they haven't already, because football is almost here. We think we're hoping for it. So as you guys right. get planned, for fall camp and getting closer to i mean here we are in the month of august take us through a little bit of of what's gone on the last week with your team
1: well you know one of the things we've done is we've just maintained kind of our lifting schedules and and you know one of my concerns was actually obviously the health and safety and and what kind of shape our guys are in we've extended that a little bit and as we look to get into camp You know, we're waiting on, obviously, like everybody, some of the leagues and and some of the NCAA and and different committees, you know, what their recommendations are. But one of the things that that we're looking at is obviously an abbreviated camp schedule only because we're starting school on the 17th of August. So what may have looked like a traditional camp will look a little bit probably more like in-season when we're really operating under that 20 hour rule. But with that, you know, our guys have been really doing a great job of, of, uh, you know, working out, out catching and throwing and doing some things on their own. And and I'm really proud of this group of chips.
0: Yeah, that's awesome to hear. So you mentioned 20 hours per week. Is that pretty much the the biggest change with having to try and run fall camp with classes getting started in a couple of weeks? What are the differences that you're not, usually right. dealing with
1: well you know in in training camp you kind of get them around the clock you know there's mm-hmm. there's uh you know some three hour breaks in between different things that you do but you know you're, you're kind of able to for a couple weeks anyway just eat sleep breathe ball you know and uh, but with with this just being just having to adjust uh you know to that to that schedule and, and not having those, you know, that, that, whatever, that traditional training camp, so to say. And yet at the same time, we're going to be able to get a lot of work done and, and uh, you know, I've just, and again, it goes back to our guys have really put a lot in in these unknown times. And, and I, I really feel it's going to come out and show itself.
0: Absolutely. Coach, just being in the pandemic era that we are, these guys are going to be coming in, there's going to be physical contact, and of course, everyone wants to know, how do you keep them safe and go through certain protocols? So can you give us a little idea of what necessary things they'll be doing as they come into practice, then as they're going through their workouts, and then when they leave practice, what are you and the coaching staff and everybody at the university doing to make sure that they stay healthy and as safe as possible?
1: Well, we've got a great leadership team here, and And obviously, there's some medical protocol before they ever even enter a building, you know, that surveys, meeting with our training staff and our medical staff and and making sure that from a symptoms standpoint, you know, they're they're okay. And, you know, moving forward with that, you know, it's different. Team meetings, for example, we don't have a large enough space to get them all in where we can you know, have them six feet apart and this and that. So the use of uh, our football stadium, <laughs> it's been kind of cool that uh, we're able to use the big screen and do some things as a team there before we break into to group work where then we have the space available to make sure while wearing masks, you know, everybody is, is distanced and, you know, we take breaks in those meetings. So we're not even in that environment you know for over a certain amount of time and and some things like that but what you learn is uh, over the years you you uh, whatever the rules are you follow those and and do the best you can
0: now i gotta ask because we talked about this last week have you had those interactions and utilized the video board yet in stadium for some of those freshman introductions or is that still to come because yeah. i want to know how yeah. that's gone
1: we actually did that, and it was actually pretty cool. And you know, what a great facility. And I got to say, just being in the stadium with the end zone project near completion, uh, wow, has it really changed just what the feel uh, of the stadium is. And, and you know, it's kind of cool for our guys to be able to sit up there in the bleachers and, and have a meeting and look out over that stadium that, you know what, um, we've got to really continue to learn to protect and you know that that's our home field and and we've got to make sure we make the best of that
0: undefeated last year on that home field which helped of course get to the mac championship game to take on the red hawks coach i gotta uh, did did everybody have like their their best haircut to be up on that video board did anybody get (laughs) razzed for looking a little sleepy i mean I, i need some more details from you of how this thing went down
1: you know, I I just know this. I I promise you, I didn't put your picture up. You know <laughs> that that uh, that that four months you went without a do, without without a haircut or whatever it was. I I went ahead and just saved that one. But uh, no, I the guys have been really doing a great job, and and you know we actually have a guy on our team that does a great job of cutting. And there you go. He's, he's been awful busy.
0: Yeah, I bet. I hope he's upcharging so he can make a little extra money. <laughs>
1: well, I think he does it. He does it for the team, and and you know it's 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 great. So,
0: very cool. Well, that's awesome to hear, Coach. I wanted to continue here along fall camp, getting prepared for that, and these guys going from their lifting assignments and working with the strength and conditioning staff to now getting into football things, kind of like a, a zero to 100 in terms of like football drills and working out with the team. So take us through how you kind of manage those first couple of fall camp practices, knowing that sure. this is the opportunity for these guys finally to get back in the field and do football things. How do you ease them into that process?
1: Well, one of the things is is obviously the walkthrough scenarios and, and seeing what their retention is and, and really seeing... You know how they've uh, taken to to the virtual meetings that they've been going through all summer, and and you know I'll say this: our staff has done an unbelievable job in the organization of those virtual meetings, and to see the interaction with the players over the you know computer, and and seeing those guys answering questions and. And, you know, being real good on their weekly exams and, and the things that we do uh, that way to make sure that mentally, you know, they're ready to go uh, from an install standpoint. My biggest concern right now is obviously what kind of shape they're in. And at some point, you know, getting them into football shape, which is a little bit different. But uh, these guys have done a good job with everything they've been asked in, in uh, you know now. Pretty soon here, it'll be time to go out there and, and uh, see see how good we are.
0: Yeah, really looking forward to to talking football and, Coach. I know you are a guy that likes to worry about the team and everybody else, but I I just want to ask you personally, just knowing with how many changes have gone on with the pandemic, and I'm sure making adjustments after adjustment. And now waiting for the NCAA and the university and the MAC overall, waiting for all of the protocols and all the scheduling to get out. How, how has it been being in charge of a program and trying to navigate through all of these different changes that aren't used to uh, what you're not used to in an accustomed year?
1: Well, I, I uh, guess over the years, I've, I've learned patience a little bit better than maybe when I was younger and you know, ultimately you realize that, uh, you know, you can only control the controllable at this point, you know, things that are out of your hands, um, you know, you've just got to learn to be flexible. And obviously in, in our case and, in, in you know, my greatest concern are you know, our players and our staff and, you know, making sure that that they're taken care of. And that's really what I've tried to do all the way through. And, and like I said, I just, my hat's off to those folks that, that, you know, donated to our summer program just for us to be able to, you know, feed our kids and, and give them an opportunity to, to uh, go through some things that, that, you know, quite honestly, financially, they couldn't have. That I just have been grateful for and, and I'm grateful for this staff. You know, every morning, every afternoon. I mean, shoot, it might be an hour different. You know, that we get something else, and and yet their flexibility and and what they've done to, you know, help our guys. That that that's really what it's all about. And uh, we've got a great group of chips, and I just want what's best for those kids.
0: Yeah, for sure. We we can tell uh, great staff on hand, and uh, looking forward to seeing them get out there and coach. Do you feel like you're ready even not knowing everything ahead as you get prepared, hopefully for that fall camp and hopefully a season, do you feel like you're as ready as you can be for, for things to take off and to have that regular football season as we await uh, the rulings and everything to come down? Absolutely.
1: I think we're in great shape. You know, I, you know, sit in with both groups offensively and defensively. And then of course we have our special teams meetings and where we're at from uh you know, an install standpoint, how we've handled those in some ways, you know, quite honestly, from the classroom setting, which is now over the computer, we're actually way ahead of where we have been in the past. And, you know, that's a credit to some of the things that that, uh, our staff has come up with uh, creatively and really how much our guys have, have, you know, studied going into them answer the questions you know watching tape this is what you're supposed to do that kind of thing and and uh i i i feel like in some ways we may be ahead but uh you know we'll see when we get out there and and uh, i know the guys are 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 excited to, to get an opportunity
0: Coach, you know what I've been really excited for is these last couple of days. You know, you, we had that stretch in July where it just seemed like it was 90 and humid every day. But the last few days, it's definitely had that fall feel of, you know, yeah, uh, 60 yeah. degrees and a little breezy. It just it feels like football weather when you walk outside these last couple of days in Mount Pleasant.
1: You know, it's really interesting, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually glad that you brought that up because uh, – you know, through the years and, and now doing this for as long as I have. And there's something about when August hits yeah, that no matter what, there's a different kind of smell in the air for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, that, that football's on the horizon and, you know, you, you can definitely feel that and you can feel it when we come in the office every day, it's, it's uh, you know, there's a general excitement and I think we're all kind of trained that this time of year we kind of switch to a different mode and and you can feel that uh, throughout the office.
0: Coach, I know you and I are biased, but this is the greatest time of the year. I mean, I love that, that fall feeling as we get the the heightened amount of energy build up to that first week of, of games. And uh, then it's, it's, you know, we talk about baseball being that 60 game sprint. You hit that first game for college football and it's like, Boom, you're in a sprint, and it's over before you know it, but it is just a ton of fun.
1: Yeah, it is, and, and you know, I think it's something that the people in general want and I know are hungry for, and, and, you know, I'm really looking forward to, you know, hopefully being able to give them that.
0: Yeah, well, we're looking forward to it, Coach, and, again, keeping an eye closely on everybody and all the parties involved as we get more information and hopefully can get this thing rolling We'll talk football soon. But uh, speaking of baseball coach, our guest has got a pretty big baseball backgrounds and uh, going to be exciting to have Matt Shepard, the TV play-by-play broadcaster for our Detroit Tigers. He's in his second year. He, he got the job last January. And uh, oh, by the way, he's a former chip. So pretty cool.
1: No, that I think it's great. And you know, another case of some somebody coming out of that fantastic broadcast school that we have you know i i i just think it's great and i'm looking forward to it because uh as you and i have talked you know i'm i'm <laughs> i'm glued to whatever uh, i can watch and and obviously being able to watch the tigers and i'm excited to ask him about how we're hitting the baseball right now you talk about A team that's hitting some home runs, man. It's exciting.
0: Absolutely. Coach, this is is a big opportunity for you because you're going to be able to flip it around here and kind of be the reporter side and and ask him some in-depth questions about baseball so you can kind of welcome to the media side here and, and really get in depth. I'm excited for this. Let's see what your media and reporting skills are like.
1: Wow! I, I hope you're. <laughs> I, I I really hope that you're not like keeping score or doing anything <laughs> like that, because you know I'll probably screw that up. So, uh, but no, this will be fun, and I'm excited. You know, it's just the state of Michigan itself. I mean, what a great sports yeah state that it is. I mean, everything from NASCAR to, you know, obviously all the pro sports and and the fantastic colleges and. And you know what? Really good high school athletics in this state as well. It's a great place to be when you're a sports fan.
0: All right. Well, let's bring in our guest this week. It's Matt Shepard, the Tigers TV play-by-play guy and Central Michigan alum. Coach Mack, take it away.
1: Well, I got to tell you how excited I am, Uh, Matt. First of all, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on with Adam and I and talk a little Michigan sports, man. How you been?
2: I'm doing great coach. How are you doing? How's your family? Everybody's Everybody's really good.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, i got, i got to tell you it's, it's, it's had to be kind of fun for you. Just uh, obviously you get out of spring training early and then you wonder what's going on. And then all of a sudden we're playing again. How's that been kind of for you and your preparation uh, as you're going through this 60 game sprint? Yeah, it's kind of strange,
2: to be honest with you. I mean, you know, we, we use the entire offseason to get ready for a season. You know, you spend a little bit of time on different teams you know, each week, and then you can't wait for the spring to get going, and you get inside that clubhouse, and you get to know the guys a little bit, right? Yeah. You start telling stories, and you're writing those stories down, and then you get into the spring training games, and you're all excited because they feel good, and everybody feels good at that time of the season, and then boom. That hits you, and you wonder, Coach, you wonder what players will do while they're not under the supervision or not in the spring training mode, and you worry that they may be, you know, lackadaisical a little bit, right? I mean, it's almost your nature. and uh, to the Tigers' credit, they stuck with it, man. I mean, they came back in great shape physically and mentally, and they picked up right where they left off. But it was an adjustment for us, and the biggest adjustment, as you can imagine, has to do with how we're broadcasting games, especially road games. But uh, baseball's back, even though there has been that respite for some teams, including the Tigers against the Cardinals. it's, It's great to be back in the booth and great to be working with the crew that I have.
1: You talk about the difference a year makes what we we spent last season trying to get a home run sometime in the first (laughs) month. I think it was. And now these guys are just knocking it out of the park. Are are we in the era of the the spiked baseball or, or what's going on?
2: Well, when you see what the Twins and Yankees did a year ago, you can't help but wonder that, right? And then you have to wonder a little bit about the Tigers when they were second to last in the majors. Only Miami had fewer homers. And their leading home run hitter had 15, for crying out loud. You can't think, but, wow, what's going on with the baseballs when the Tigers are starting to hit? But then you realize, you know, the guys who started hitting these homers, CJ Crone, a healthy Miguel Cabrera, Jonathan Scope, who hit 23 a year ago, Crone hit 25 a year ago for Minnesota. So, when you get those guys contributing, you realize, oh, that's what power looks like, right? And you realize that if, if you hit 11 homers, that's going to be a 30 home run guy, right, this year. So, I, I think it shows you just how desperately the Tigers lacked power. And with getting those guys, how much they can help add to it. Now, will that carry them? Do you want to win by homering? No, you don't, because in, in first eight games they were the worst team in baseball with runners in scoring position and yet sure. they led all of baseball and homers with 15 so um i think you'd like a balance there right coach it's almost yeah. like uh it's almost like uh, being a pass happy team but not being able to run the ball in the fourth quarter when you want to choose the clock
1: you know it, 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 it you you hit it on the head you know and i always get a kick out of that in fact was fortunate to win a couple games that that uh, team didn't know how to run the ball and we actually were able to sneak up and beat them because they couldn't stop the keep the clock yeah yeah on. you got to have balance right it's yeah, all about balance right.
2: so so no you and I remember Earl Weaver you yeah. don't want to be the three run homer team all the time right. it's great when it happens but when it when you're constantly relying on that that's a bit of an issue.
1: Well, when you're sitting there with Boog Powell on first base, just taking <laughs> just take just taking every ball so we can get it out of the park, you know, That's what it's all about. <laughs> are we, are we, we're going to go back and start talking about Mark Belanger, aren't we? That's us man, let's do that. That's great stuff. No, it is. It is. And, and uh, you know, I, I I just you know, you you obviously are uh, known obviously for for the baseball piece of it and and what you're doing and, and do such a great job at. You know, you also have done a bunch of other sports, obviously, and and obviously you've you've seen the football perspective of of the MAC conference over a few yeah. years.
2: Um, yeah, I just so, I, I love the MAC, man. I mean, yeah. I'm a MAC guy, right? So sure. I went to Eastern to play baseball. wasn't good enough, but to transferred to Central Michigan to enhance my broadcasting career. And there's no better school in the state of Michigan if that's what you want to get into. And to be able to stay in the MAC and broadcast and see the great athletes and see these schools and how much it means to those schools and to the alumni, it means an awful lot. And so I'm honored to do that. And then I had a nice 15-year run calling Michigan Basketball, which was an absolute joy, going to two national championship games and getting to work with some of the people I've worked with, including Terry Mills, and, um, and you know, get to know some of the coaches. And, and that's, I think that's the thing I value most the thing I value most is being able to talk with different coaches and different sports and hear their philosophies. How do you reach kids? How are you mentoring kids? How are you reaching professional athletes? How are you helping them grow? Those are the things that I really use in everyday life as much as just the competitive nature that is created by you and the people you coach.
1: Yeah. And, and, and you know, seeing it, I guess you know when you when you see that, and and obviously being involved with all those different sports, and the guys that are successful at what they're doing as coaches, is there a common theme that kind of rolls through? It doesn't matter what sport it is. Do you do you find a common theme there for those guys that are that are real successful? Yeah, I would say communication, honesty, and I, I think caring.
2: Mm-hmm. Communication in the sense that really good coaches and you know this cause you are one really communicate well with their players. Honesty. They're not going to, you know, blow smoke up their nose and tell them something that they're not and, and caring as in, look, I mean, t- people want to be, they, they want to care for you. Right. I mean, right. people want to be wanted. They want to know that you're, you're on the lookout for them. And that's something we, we actually talked about in our broadcast the other day. Jack Morris had mentioned, Sparky Anderson and, and yeah. what Sparky Anderson meant to him was that he really cared about it. Ron Gartenheir said it about his team the other day. I said to him, you know, what is it about these young guys that, that means the most to you? And he says, Look, I mean, they're they're like my kids. Right. That's how much they mean to me. So that's I think those are the three traits that I probably find in the really good coaches more than anything else.
1: You know, you you mentioned something I think is kind of interesting. You know, and 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 when you when you talk about baseball, not necessarily the sprint that we're in right now, you know, with the 60 uh, game schedule, but how do those guys do that? That you know, I mean, here you are playing 162 games, and and how do you keep it fresh? <laughs> you know, and how do those guys do that? Well, I think that's a good
2: question. I think that's where the competitive fire comes in, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's where it's it's all about staying focused. I think the thing that, that amazes me more than anything else is the fact that they can forget things so quickly. Sure. I, I liken a lot of things to different sports. In, in so what I'll say is, for example, a reliever, a closer. He's got to be like a cornerback in football or a goalie in hockey. If you're going to let one goal bother you, you're going to let one touchdown pass bother you, you're never going to make it. So you can't worry about one blown save. So that's what I, that's, that's how I look, at it. I look at it. Like having a, having a short memory
1: as much as anything else. Sure. You know, you mentioned, uh, you know, transferring and, and graduating from central Michigan and, and obviously you, you touched on it, but tell me about this broadcast school, obviously Dick Enberg, you know, who <laughs> probably mentored so many uh, along the way and this and that, but, Tell me about kind of what what is special about this broadcast school here at Central Michigan.
2: Well, I think what it does more than anything else, and, I, you know, it's, it's primarily between Central and, and Michigan State and the state of Michigan, but what Central allows you to do is get the experience right away. So when I transferred there, I immediately tried out to call Central Michigan football for the student station. I immediately called Central Michigan basketball when Dan Marley and and, and the really good teams under Charlie Coles were there. I called, you know, the baseball team with Kevin Tappany and Sean O'Hare and, and Larry Lamphere and those really good players. As Central Michigan allowed you, if you're good enough, you get to call right away. Whereas other schools will say, "Well, you got to wait your turn. You have got to be a junior or something in that case, situation." Uh, CMU that, that that did not happen. It, it presented opportunities for us left and right, and I think those opportunities have only grown since I was left the school. You know. Uh,
1: went to school and obviously did a lot of stuff with this guy by the name of Colin Cowherd and he would like go and call every game he could right to create tapes and you know it actually helped him get to the Las Vegas stars by sending some of those tapes and it's him doing you know basketball and baseball and football and whatever sport it was but that experience is really something that this school gave you yeah this is what Central allows you
2: to do, and it's not just in broadcasting. It's in writing and so many other ways, and I'm sure it's grown since I left, but so many different ways where you can expand your journalistic horizons. Um, So uh, not only did I do radio there, but I also did you know, for for the the cable television station there. I know a lot of guys, especially in Detroit, who went to Central Michigan and are now writers for big papers. A lot of the TV people here in, in Detroit uh, Dave Llewellyn, for example, went to Central Michigan. So there's a rich history there. Um, I think everybody who uh, follows the industry knows that, and I think that's phenomenal, and I think it's also something that the school needs to actually brag more about. I work with a, a friend of mine who's also a CMU grad by the name of Mickey York. We both are right at Fox Sports Detroit, and we have our Central Michigan banners uh, displayed <laughs> proudly, and rightfully so.
1: Yeah, that, that that's so good to hear. You know, I, I think what's interesting, too, is, is the fact growing up and, and being and then, you know, you, you talked about the 20 years or whatever it is, you know, of doing Mac football games. Kind of yeah. tell, tell me a little bit about kind of what you see in this league and 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 really maybe how it's changed over, you know, those years that you've been calling this conference. Well, here's what I really noticed. Early on, when the scholarships were not limited to 84, 85,
2: whatever it is now, you would see a lot of first-string guys on MAC teams who would be more like third, almost fourth-string guys on Power 5 schools teams. That's not the case anymore. And Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of that has to do with the scholarship reduction down to 84, 85. I think the opportunity to play right away has made it much more enticing for student athletes i think their schedules the fact that they go out and they're not afraid to play teams out of the big 10 teams out of the sec give them the opportunity to, to highlight their skills and let's face it i mean the amount of success stories we have out of the mid-american conference doesn't take a backseat to anybody really Man, I mean, you, you yeah, could sure. i've done this before on talk shows that i've done in the past you know i'll, I'll give you the top you know the first-string Mid-American Conference, all-Mid-American Conference team of all time, and tell me if it's not really good. Now, some of it may date back to a Jack Lambert, right, or a Jason right. Taylor, right, or, <laughs> or uh, you know, you, you get you get certain guys out of there, or Randy Moss out of Marshall, who was in the MAC for a, a certain period of time. But it's worthy of the discussion. Anytime you can you can brag about a guy like Antonio Brown for his on-field accomplishments. Sure, and there's something to be said for that. When you've got a starting left tackle on a Super Bowl champion team who was the number one overall pick out of C M U and Eric Fisher, there's something to be said about that, right? And then right. when you have a, another guy uh, who Andrew Wiley out of Eastern Michigan, he was a guard on that same Kansas City team. I mean, there's we could go on and on about the success stories. I mean, it doesn't always have to be Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. The linemen coming out of the MAC are pretty impressive. Now they lack some speed off the edge. And I don't think there's been a lot of great cornerbacks or defensive backs in general, but there's enough to make you turn your head a little bit and recognize the Mid-American Conference turns out some excellent players. And I think a lot of it has to do with some of the excellent coaching. And I'm not just saying that because you you and I are talking. I felt that way for a long, long time. Even the people at CMU before you were there, they are really impressive. Butch Jones is a really good coach. Uh, You know, Brian Kelly is a really good coach. There's been some really good coaches and you know, Matt Campbell at Toledo, really good football coach. And, and some people have always said to me, well, oh, the MAC's just a stepping stone. Okay. Well, that's fine. If, if that's how you want it to be, Frank Solich doesn't believe that. but He's an excellent football coach, but that says an awful lot about the mid American conference that some really good coaches like yourself have come to the max, found it challenging, ready to rebuild certain programs. And if it takes you elsewhere, then so be it. If it doesn't, you know that you're going to have a good recruiting base in the Midwest. You're going to have a very good academic school. And you're going to play a very competitive schedule with a chance to play and a really good bowl game when the season's all said and done.
1: Right. And, you know, you you said so many things there. And and the one thing I guess I'm wondering is how have you handled the – Tuesday, Wednesday night games. How, how, how's that been for you? Well, I think that's a double-edged sword, Coach. I think it's great because the American
2: Conference is the only game during the weeks. That's right. And if people want to watch college football, and when people want to watch football in general, and we've always said that about the sport we love a lot, and that is, hey, I get a chance to watch it every single night, but it's only once a week, right? So you're prepping all week. The thing I don't like about what it does is it, it does not create a great atmosphere because students oftentimes have to get up on a Wednesday or a Thursday morning to attend class, and I don't think it's great for the student-athlete either. But I also understand why the Mid-American Conference does it, because they get some money, and they need the money, and they deserve the money. So I think it's a double-edged sword. In the long run, I think it's a good thing. I just hope everybody keeps the student-athletes in mind when they begin those decisions. Now, I'll be the first to admit I was a little light about all this stuff, before I really dove head first into college athletics. So I'll give you an example. When I called Michigan basketball, I never believed athletes should be paid. And then I realized during the final four week just how much time and effort it took for CBS and all the other media outlets to take up the time of, of Michigan student athletes while they're sitting there trying to study for an exam and we're in Atlanta getting ready to play a national championship game they're there for about 12 hours doing TV shoots, sitting down interviews, practices and everything else. And I'm not proposing that student athletes get paid, but I do like that. The NCAA has moved toward allowing athletes to make money off their likeness or make appearances and get compensated in that regard.
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, ultimately it's about whatever we can do to help these kids. Cause that's really what it's all about. And that's the reason we get into coaching and, and, uh, is to see these kids grow. So, you know, you, you, you brought up something. When we were at the University of Louisville, we were in Conference USA, and we were one of the first conferences to do all these different night games. And, and yeah. uh, that one year, one of the years, I, we ended up in the top 15 in the country. And But we played every night of the week. We, we opened on a Sunday, and we played our bowl game on a Monday. Yeah. and and played every every night of the week I just know as a coach you kind of like uh you, you're numb to actually what day it is
2: you know <laughs> as as- well that's because you guys you, you work 20 hour days anyway but <laughs> but, the, but the student athletes and some of those trainers let's not forget the trainers the people who work really hard within the the, the football program itself or the equipment managers those guys are all most a lot of them are, are student athletes as well or students I should say and and it can be you know, very challenging for them. Now it's rewarding for sure, but it can be challenging for them as well. But I I think, look, you cannot replace, uh, most people don't know uh, what student athletes have to go through anyway. You know that coach. Um, I'm fortunate because my, my son played college lacrosse. I know the effort that it takes. I know the commitment that it takes. I saw it every single day and the sacrifices that need to be made Without being able to go to a lot of social events like most student-athletes, or like most students, I should say. Student-athletes have to be unique. They have to be different. But the experience they get, the chance to use that in the workplace when they move forward, I would think is as invaluable as anything they could have learned while they were just being a student without the athletic part.
1: No, absolutely. You know what? It's just there's something special about it. You know, some of the guys don't realize it for five, 10, 15, 20 years. Right. Right. And yet the, the lessons learned are really what helps them grow. So yeah. that's really what it's all about. You know, How when you kind of decided this is a direction you wanted to go, you, you wanted to go into broadcasting. Was there anybody kind of that really stood out as a mentor to you, uh, you know, going through uh, what you're doing? Yeah, I'm kind of fortunate because I I
2: knew that if I couldn't be a professional baseball player when I was 10 years old, and that was my dream, right? I wanted to play for the Detroit Tigers when Mm -hmm. I was 10. If I couldn't do that, I wanted to be at least broadcast. And Ernie Harwell, listening to Ernie Harwell and Paul Carey, the two greatest radio voices in baseball history, as far as I'm concerned, I'm sure people out the West would would say Vince Scully, and I understand that. There's some who might say, uh, you know, Red Barber and others, and, and I appreciate that. But for me, it was Ernie Harwell and Paul Carey, so to be able to listen to them on a nightly basis and recognize just how great storytellers they were more than anything else. And then in, in my young career, I actually had the opportunity to go to Ernie Harwell's house, sit down, listen to my tape with him, get critiqued by who I considered you know the greatest of all time and, and, and talk about the business. And what I do is I go and I talk to kids about the same thing. And I try to pass on similar type knowledge that he gave me. And one of the biggest things is, that, you know, Chase that dream. No matter what you're doing, I don't care if it's broadcasting, I don't care if it's athletics, I don't care if it's playing music, chase the dream. Just understand what it takes to get to where you want to be. That's the hardest part because I can't tell you, Coach, how many people have come up to me and said, man, I wanted to do what you did. I just I just couldn't do it. Well, the reason they couldn't do it is because the sacrifice and the low pay that it starts oftentimes when you graduate from school and you, you just keep got to keep believing in yourself feeling like in the end it's all going to pay off
1: you know i think what people probably don't realize either is how much daily preparation actually goes into what you do especially calling baseball where obviously there's some times where you kind of might need some uh, filler i guess for lack of a better term yeah like t- tell me like okay you go into a series do you kind of do it by series, where you have certain things, you know, with that opponent. How do you daily, you know, come up with the stuff that that you know you're going to have uh, for that day's broadcast? Yeah, it's a good question. Baseball is very unique in this sense. Huh. Uh,
2: when I get ready for a football game, I already have Jim McElwain's two deep chart on my flip chart. Sure. Uh, two, three deep. have got I've read the media guide of all those guys, and I've got statistics from the weekly game notes, but I get that done, hopefully around Thursday, right? So listen to, listen to interviews with you, listen to some of your coaches, go on websites, so on and so forth. I got that done by Thursday. Same thing with basketball. I'll go into a game and it'll be, I'll be ready. All I got to do is see, okay, who's the starting lineup and let's go. Same thing in hockey. I'll know that the 25 guys are going to be dressed in baseball. You don't get the lineup until I would say about for a seven o'clock game for the Tigers, probably around four o'clock, quarter to four or so. By the time I'm done in the clubhouse talking with players and coaches, I get back up to the booth. I've got to get all my nuggets on those players down on my board. That's the way I do it. Now, most, all the players I have done the research and the background on all of them already, because I've done that during the off season. I've, I've noted what Matthew Boyd did in the off season with his kingdom home project in Uganda, I've noted you know, some of the things that he said about how he's got to get better with his slider, be more on top of his slider, and, and and stop missing the love side. All those little anecdotes, I get that going into the season, and I update update those on a daily basis. But when you get ready for a game and you see that one guy may be starting instead of somebody else, you've got to be ready with information like how is he against lefties, how is he at batting third in the order, how easy in the head-to-head matchup, how easy with runners on scoring position. There's a ton of different things that I've got to be ready for and have that done before our 5 515 pre-production meeting. So um, that's where it's, it's like cramming for a final exam in baseball more than any other sport. As far as you know, the hours, I mean, we have a conference call every single day at 10 o'clock, usually lasts an hour, and the talent talks over what they're going to do for an open, for example, and the various storylines we want to hit. And then, you know, you do a bunch of research and your your storytelling with the various uh, players. And then the game begins and you hope you're you you hope you don't have to use at least 80 percent of the information that you've already put together and put down on your boards.
1: You know, you've obviously you've you've been with Fox Sports there, um, you know, for for some time now. And uh, one of the things I kind of when when you when you go through, whether it's a magical season or a magical run by a guy. You know, I, I think about Cabrera's triple crown, right? Yeah, and, and, yeah. and how how unique that is. Tell me what that was kind of like, just being just following that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the first guy since Carl Scrimsky to do it. I yeah. think Scrimsky did it in 67. I could be never. wrong there. Right. But somewhere along there. Yeah, I mean, that, that's unique. I mean, that, that's as unique as you're going to get. But what the beauty of sports, I think, in general, is you never know what you may see going in. I mean, who would have thought the other day that Tyler Alexander, of all people, would set a major league record by striking out the first nine batters he faced as a reliever. I mean, right. that's, you know, it, it, who, who thinks of that? And one more strikeout, and you have Mike Moustakis, one and two. One more strikeout. He ties Tom Seaver. Think about that for a moment. <laughs> Tyler Alexander ties Tom Seaver. Who would have thought that? But somebody, that'll be a a good trivia question one day. Who Who's the reliever who set the major league record for consecutive strikeouts? In a ball game, and you'll say, "Tyler Alexander, who is that?" Question mark, right? People, people outside Detroit may not know. So that's the beauty of sport. You never know what you may see. You may see, you know, a, a Miguel Cabrera 500th home run sometime, maybe this year. I doubt it'll be this year, but next year, you you may see him. I, he he had a, a hit the other day that surpassed Honus Wagner for number 25 all time in extra wow. base hits. I mean, wow. when you're bringing up guys. Who, you know, whose pictures are black and white and whose baseball card is selling for $2 million, you know darn well that you've just been able to accomplish something pretty special in the broadcasting world. So that's what I love most about sports being able to see the drama unfold. It's the greatest reality television ever made and to see the storylines that you may stumble upon even though you never expected it. Sure.
1: I can only imagine I can go on forever because I've always uh, been the sports fan that I am. And, you know, growing up, listening and actually teaching myself to watch the game on the radio. Yeah. And you listen to to different games and, and sporting events. You know, you guys paint such a great picture. And, and I got to tell you, I really enjoy listening to your broadcasts. And, and uh, you know, I've got a little... Probably a little rooting for you only because I know you're a chip. Well, I, I, I get that. I mean, I, I love being
2: a Michigander. Uh, no matter what school I would attend, I love being a Michigander and living the dream of, you know, calling the team that I love more than anything else in the world. You know, I mean, I, I was talking about this with my daughter the other day. and She was asking, you know, how do you know what you want to do? And I said, most people in life don't. Most people, A, don't know what they want to do. And B, aren't doing what they want to do. I'm really, really lucky. I never take a it, that for granted i always appreciate every single day i go to the ballpark and i i appreciate every day I, I put on a pin on my lapel the english d i can't wear the english d in uniform that's the closest i can get but to represent our network and represent uh, that franchise and the state means more to me than just about anything i got going
1: man that's great i yeah I, uh... You know, when I get that question, I always say, one day when I grow up, I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do. Right now, I'm just going to enjoy the ride. So I just don't want to grow up. I know. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, Matt, I really got to. I, I just want to say thanks so much for for taking time to come visit and and uh, you know, it's always great talking whatever it is, sports, and, and you know, I look forward to watching you on that next series and. and and I'll think back to this, and you know what? You just made it a lot more fun for a ball coach at Central Michigan. Thanks well, so much for well, doing folks,
2: this. it's been an honor. You know, my son Chad worked with you at the University of Michigan while you were there that, for a few years. That's time. right. Yeah. And and he could not say enough nice things about you, and everything he had to say about you obviously has come true uh, and getting to know you over the last couple of years. So you do your job, at least your side job as an interviewer and a, a podcaster, better than 80% of the people in my <laughs> business already congratulations
1: on that <laughs> well well tell tell those 12 people that that are listening okay <laughs> and uh you know I, I don't know adam did i get myself in trouble could i say fox sports or is that is that legal adam you're my legal associate i'm,
0: here. I'm your legal uh podcast guardian here yes that's that's yeah. totally fine
1: okay okay good <laughs> I, I, you know I just, you just never know so uh but in the meantime i do wear adidas uh we do uh our coaches show at, at Hunter's Ale House and Fabiano Brothers and Bud Light, mm. man, I, I love them. So yeah, I just want to say, man. <laughs> all right, well,
0: man, <laughs> thanks. Well, hopefully
1: so we'll have a buddy. beer
2: someday. I appreciate it. Fabiano right. Brothers, five beer you got.
1: It. I I love that, and uh, we'll see you on TV, and and uh, you know anything we can ever do for any chips, man, uh, feel free to give us a call. All right, Matt. I'll
2: do that. Thanks, coach. All the best to you and your family.
1: Thanks, buddy.
0: That was awesome. Talking with Matt Shepard. Really, really appreciate him coming on, especially just like you, Coach. He's busy right in the middle of the season as you get prepared for a season. What a fun conversation that was to have, especially a guy, again, that went up here to Mount Pleasant, went through the broadcasting program, and now certainly that's helped get him to where he is today.
1: No, I, I, you know, it's just so much fun. You, you, you get an opportunity to talk to these guys that are around it every day. And and in Matt's case, I mean, not only does a great job, but obviously has some pride in, you know, the things that Central Michigan University uh, offered him, you know, and, and allowed him to do. I, you know, it just speaks volumes for, for for that and that program. and And more than anything, God, was that fun just talking sports?
0: Yeah, it's, it's been great to, to talk a little bit more about sports and see them show up on a regular every single day, whether it be baseball or basketball or golf. All of them seem to be coming back. NHL as well. I mean, it's just nice to have some normalcy we'll back again and have sports on our televisions.
1: Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, just, you know, with the NHL, I've got to say, go Yotes. You know, that? Yeah. one one right now. I think they're playing actually right now. I haven't seen a score yet. I know my son-in-law and daughter and and grandkids are, you know, it's 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 great to see, great to see sports back and you know I still don't know anything about hockey but, uh, you know what they didn't take enough shots the other night that's what I told them.
0: So. so you you need to uh, keep keep learning about hockey you know keep keep getting getting the updates and figuring out that sport and you're right though it's great it's it's exciting too coach because we're basically in the playoffs for one sport and then NBA, you know, they're they're getting close to their seating and getting ready to start playoffs. And then you've got baseball. It's a quick season. So it's like not only do we have all these sports back, but it's the most important time where they matter and you can lock in and it's a really important game.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and uh, it's just fun to watch and, and it's fun to listen to. And, and uh, you know, it sounds like the players – you know, are really into it. I mean, you talk about uh, what they're talking about, the NBA bubble, and here they're playing preseason games, and they were, like, playing, you know, top of their (laughs) – I mean, they were getting after it. So that's been fun to watch. And, you know, I I think about trying to learn hockey. I actually went back and, you know, watched Slapshot now three or four times just to kind of figure out, you know, what it's all about.
0: There you go. If you watch that, you keep watching that more. I'm sure you'll be able to coach hockey someday when football
1: There you go.
0: <laughs> coach, I got to be honest. Uh, I hope people aren't thinking that I'm swaying too much uh, what, who these next guests are, but I, I've been nerding out. You know, we have Greg McElroy on here, a broadcaster. We got Matt Shepard, a broadcaster, and uh, – well, we got another broadcaster coming on next week, so I'm pretty darn excited with this list of guys we keep bringing on. So make sure you, you let the listeners know it hasn't been all me that's been like, hey, hey, let's get the next broadcaster on. You you know some of these guys, and uh, yeah. you've been bringing them on yourself.
1: Well, it, next week's guest, I, I can't tell you. I, a dear friend and, and a guy I can call a dear friend at, uh, in George Blaha that's been uh, – you know, the voice of the Pistons now for, well, I don't know, 40 years, something like that. Uh, a guy that I've stayed in touch with. God, what a wonderful person he is. In fact, took a, he took a trip here down to Mount Pleasant to come say hello when I got here. And, you know, and George, he, he, another guy that just Michigan sports, you know, and, and a guy that's been at it a long time. And I think that these are just fun for the people that listen. Um, you know, when you're able to talk to some of these guys. And, and uh, I'm excited as heck to get George uh, on the on the broadcast next week.
0: Absolutely. Does Michigan State football on the radio? So you can talk to him about the uh, upcoming games between CMU and Michigan State is that three-year deal just got uh, inked, uh, what, about two months ago or so. So a lot to talk about with him. And certainly he's beloved here in the state of Michigan for everything he's done with Michigan State. And the Pistons and uh, just a real talent. So, Coach, can't wait to have maybe him. On. We,
1: maybe we'll be able to talk. Maybe we'll talk some bad boys, huh?
0: Yeah. Maybe we'll get a, we'll get into a little of that. And, and uh,
1: but it should be fun. And, and obviously, having George on, and, and again, a guy like Matt, uh, you know, it's this has been this has been great.
0: Yeah, it really has. And uh, looking forward to having George Blaha on next week. And Coach, as we continue to to monitor the NCAA and all the Deciding factors at the conference level, at the university level, uh, we're looking forward to hoping you guys can get fall camp started and lead us into your second season at Central Michigan. So, can't wait for football things hopefully to start happening here soon as well.
1: Yeah, that's right. And uh, like I said, we're we're ready to go. Uh, we're we're kind of in the starting blocks right now and just waiting for that uh, that gun to go off so we can uh, start our own sprint.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and Coach Mack, again, I know I tell you every week, but I just want to say thank you personally because I know how busy you're starting to get and uh, you continue to, to come on and do this podcast every week. And I know we joke about, you know, how many people are listening, but uh, I think this has got to be really entertaining and people are really excited to hear from the head football coach at Central Michigan every week. So thanks so much for doing this and taking the time.
1: Yeah, you know, Adam, you too, but because I, I know you've got to prep for a lemonade league games
0: here, don't you, or something? There's uh, all weekend, you know, if you get some time, come on down to Cooley Law School stay
1: <laughs> All right. I love it. All right, man. Well, you be good, and uh, we'll do it again next week.
0: All right, Coach. Thanks so much. Have a good weekend.
1: All right, buddy. Bye-bye.